Thank you for tuning in for another rounding session of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I am your host, your DM, your friend, and sometimes your enemy, Kenny. We have our normal cast of four players. Should have our fifth player tonight as well, but obviously he will be later on. Starting with our warlock. Hi, my name's Lauren. I will be playing Vin, the halfling warlock. Our monk. Uh, what up? It's Boris Ardo playing Vin. Our paladin. And our cleric. And Hayden playing Ogden. So, last uh, returning viewers would know, my players myself would know, but just to keep everyone on the same page, last we had our venturers. They had just walked away from a harrowing experience with the Sunderer. Uh, he apparently, or it apparently, had destroyed and... and like destroyed all of the life in a village inside of the great southern desert and at the stirring of his hammer the sunderer reappeared and attacked the party with much veracity however they were able to make it through and uh and their guide brought their lizards into the ghost town with them and they've had a full rest and are fully functional once again so, what do you all want to do? Orc shoots out from sleeping and starts screaming, I'm not getting possessed again. Tench is going to disappear into the general store, find plank, stake, hammer, a couple of nails, and a chisel. All right. And he's going to spend some time carving Roderick's name into the plank. He's going to make like a rudimentary grave marker. Ah, very appropriate. Hmm. Where's Ogden going to be? Ogden uh, is probably going to help with that now that he realizes that's what Tenji's doing, and then uh, offer up a prayer for him. Yes, yeah, sadly, Roderick the Pitless in his spectral crystal-assisting form came to the aid of the party in the last boss battle and was struck down by the Sunderer himself. R.I.P. Rip. So, you all have made your gravestone marker. You've taken your full day rest. You have all your hit dice back, all your hit points back, all your abilities refreshed. And the the tracker um, guide you have hired asks, shall we set off or would you all care for another day of rest? I think we're good. Yeah, we're ready to go. Can I poke around to see if there's any cool magical stuff here? Sure. Put to better use. All right. Yeah, I guess it is just kind of lying here as well. We can assume. Let's let's do that like during the rest. <laughs> yeah, during the rest. You find that there is a small stash in one of the the uh, decrepit and abandoned stores. A small stash of. <laughs> Seven magic scrolls. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. These scrolls are for the following spells. There is one of each. There is a scroll of darkness, a scroll of daylight, a scroll of feigned death, a scroll of 
enhance ability one scroll of enlarge slash reduce I believe that's five right yes one scroll of hypnotic pattern and one scroll of sleet storm Alright, neat. Cool. Now, refresh me. Um, casting from a scroll in 5th edition is a bit different than it was in 3.5, right? Um, yes. Like, there's no skill check involved. Right, but do you have to have the uh, spell on your technical spell list in order to be able to cast this, uh, the scroll? No, not at all. Oh, so Tenshi could cast any of those. Yes. What? Hmm, Andy. Interesting. Now that being said, if there was a wizard in the party, um, they could take the time, consume the scroll, and jot down the spell into their book. Yeah. But uh, you don't have a wizard, so... Yeah, oh well. Maybe we'll find one someday. <laughs> Maybe. No, just in case of being fair for ties or something. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, kind of taking a cue from that, August is going to see if he can find like an armor or weapon shop. There is a blacksmith's abode. Mm -hmm. He has uh, pretty mundane armor and weapons available. They all Any sort javelins? of... I'm sorry? Any javelins? Yes, there is about 12 javelins there. Oh, well, there were 12 javelins there. <laughs> I like Really? Never knew. Well, they, they do, do that. Come in handy. They do give oh, you yeah. a ranged cool. option. Mm-hmm. But, um, altogether, outside of those mundane weapons and armor and ammunition, there's really not a lot to report in the blacksmith's shop. Alright. No, uh, no rare, valuable, uh, or materials, huh? No, there's not going to be a random pouch of Alanis somewhere in there. <laughs> All right. But, um, so there are no bodies or skeletons or anything like that, right? No, no, just... no, not at all. No, no remains. Hmm. Not even of, like, animals or pets. Like, nothing. Is th I forget, did the Sunderer's hammer, like, crumble up when he died? Or disappeared? Um, I don't want to, I, I want to say, I should have checked, actually, if I, if I had specified what happened when you defeated the Sunderer. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's go ahead and say that his, when you defeated his form, the hammer flew to the sky. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Because if it was just sitting there, still there, I would have said, we need to bury this thing. Alright, so it's probably returned to where never he is. Um, Were there any um, shields in the armory? Yes, uh, several. Okay, I'd like to trade out a Warhammer for a shield if I could. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't use my Warhammer at all. You don't have to trade anything. You can just take I mean, the shield. I feel, I feel creep, uh, 
little underhand about looting everything from here, but I mean, there's no reason for Bork to carry two weapons, one that he doesn't use, and yeah, also sure. a shield, which he's, since you have a two-handed weapon, you're not going to see much of. I can't even use You have a great sword, right? I've got a great axe. Great axe. And, no, you can absolutely use a shield paladin in this public book every time. Right, right, but it's with, uh, with a two-handed weapon. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, I need some way of keeping, like, my armor on this. Better armor. Yeah. Well. Well, I've got better armor. I just upgraded that, but I know that having a shield might help if I can use it along with. Great axe. It's a two-handed. It's a yep. great axe. So I would not be able to use a shield. Okay, never mind then. I'm not giving up my great my great axe. Yeah. You know, I'm actually looking it up right now, but I'm not seeing anything on the SRG about uh, penalties to using a two-handed weapon one-handed. Well, I imagine that what the the because the way it's worded is that you just can't. Yeah. Like that's if not a thing you can do. Possible. So if we wanted to really play with it, I feel that to make it balanced, um, I would just impose on it the the regular sort of penalties for dual wielding, and just say that you attack with your weapon as you normally would. But you don't add your ability modifier to damage rolls. That makes sense. I'd rather just be able to hit things hard. Yeah. Yeah. I've got enough hit points that I can get hit a couple of times. Leave the uh, tanking and stuff to me, and also you can. And like I said, I did just get an upgrade with my armor, so I'm now up to armor class 19. Which is pretty good. Yeah, but bear in mind, armor class 19 is pretty high. Okay. Yeah. I remember, like, before I really wasn't, I was getting hit all the time. Yeah, you were at 16, I think. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay, sorry. Um, You're fine. I'm actually going to take this opportunity to go and see if I can find some uh, material components for, like, these divination augury spells that I have. Like, any incense and sacrificial offerings. Yeah, easily. So. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a small church in town which has plenty of those sorts of things. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead... And, you know, uh, can I tell what uh, what deity the church is to? I don't know. What's your religion check say? <laughs> Let's find out. Oof, I hope I have points in that. Yes, I do. All right. 13 total. Um, you recognize it pretty handedly. It's uh, the, the, the dwarven god Zoradin, who is Zoradin. a cousin to Moradin, mm-hmm. and has been become sort of the iconic... Dwarven god of the Rust Dwarves. Okay. Well, I have no intention of angering uh, a deity by taking uh, incense from its uh, church, so as I take some incense, I'm also going to leave ten gold. Okay. And, uh, Ogden really needs to get a job, because his pocket change is quickly running out. <laughs> All right. And I'm ready whenever you are. I'm done. I'm good to go. Yeah, I'm kind of just been waiting on you guys. All right. 
So the, the guide points out that it's you all have deviated slightly to the west from your primary pathway, so you can head more strongly south than you normally would, which will not make the road any more or less easy or shorter for you, just if you happen to notice that you're traveling kind of purely south, he's not leading you astray. Alright. Sounds good to me. Appreciate you letting us know. Yeah. Guys, the guy's a professional. Alright. This is not his first day on the dunes. Uh, also, you guys are really scary, and if he felt that he was making you guys paranoid, the last thing he wants is to piss you guys off. Really? He came to the aftermath of you killing what probably destroyed an entire town worth of people. So obviously he has an air of respect for your situation. Anywho, so you guys, uh, I believe I said that it would be five days of travel to the glass dunes. That sounds Correct. right. Also. So uh, you guys travel for your uh, second of those five days. Come on, Bucky, let's go. That's the name of my lizard now. <laughs> I figured that. <laughs> um, and as I had mentioned before, like the dunes of this desert are not an idle or empty place. You guys see wildlife scurrying across the sands on every crest. So... However, by the time you get to your third day of traveling, that becomes less the case. You guys begin to feel the heat a bit more harshly than you did the day before. Maybe it's just a hotter day. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the fact that you're starting to really kind of get into the middle of fucking nowhere of this desert. Mm -hmm. And uh, about halfway through this third day, the guy points out to you, oh, um... We may deviate our path should you desire. There is an, a small known oasis a few hours travel out of the way. Would you all care to do that? Yeah. Some shade would be nice. Drink and exactly. Water, flasks, and all that. Sure. Dump my head in the pool. So, you guys are interested in that? Yeah. 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 All right. So you guys deviate what seems about a third of your day's travel in another direction, more of a harsh west uh, direction than uh, your normal south. And after that amount of time of traveling, you all find yourselves cresting a dune, and uh, the tracker immediately tells you to turn around and get back behind the dune as quickly as you could. Who was second in line behind the tracker? I think we said... No, I think Audra was bringing up the rear, right? I yeah. thought it was just an amalgamation, so probably... I don't know, probably me. Okay. No problem. So, the the tracker does this and reacts with only uh, enough time for, for Tenchi to have crested the dune as well as the tracker. So Tenji sees a quick snapshot of the situation that you all are hiding from. And uh, you all can hear, after a moment passes, and you're hiding behind the dune, recognize the sound of combat. Shield, armor, and weapons clang and clank as the battle's cries of dwarven soldiers are heard in the distance. 
the dwarf, what Tenchi saw was clearly two bands of individuals fighting in a melee near the oasis. Um, and as uh, the tracker sort of commands the, the lizards to like lay lower in profile, and he throws himself off and grabs his crossbow from one of his saddlebags and begins to load it, he looks at the group of you and goes, there might be a bit of a fight ahead of us. Oh boy, I was starting to get bored. Takes out my shield and my mace. Uh, can I peek back over the top of the, the, the dude just to get a better survey of what it is? Um, yeah, give me a stealth check on that. Okay. Oh, shit. Uh, a solid 23. Okay. So you're able to peer most of your head up uh, enough to see over the dune. And you can quite evidently see maybe 20 combatants um, fighting each other in what seems to be a rather stalemate-like battle. Um, there's a, a, One group is very clearly identifiable as Rust Dwarves mercenaries, and the other is a much larger, or I would, would say much larger, but a larger, it's like 13 to 7. Um with the seven being rust dwarves and the 13 looking like some manner of bandit, but it's hard to tell from this distance uh, without a proper perception check. Uh, I mean, if I'm peering over the top, I can make that too. Oh, I, f I figured you would. I know you can perfectly see up to a mile, but seeing the detail. Is yeah. Newton. Yeah, exactly. Uh, didn't do so well on that one. Okay. So you can clearly define that these two groups are two separate groups. I mean, you can see that already. Um, seven of them are Rust Dwarves. Thirteen of them are of these other group. Uh, they seem to be from a bunch of different races and, and, and uh, you know, nationality. But you do notice that all, all 13 of them seem to be wearing similar garb. Okay. Do you have any kinda, further things, or do you want to report this to your party? Uh, I kind of slink down off the top of the, the dude, and I turn to the guy and say, is there a bandit problem out here, or what? He kind of shakes his head and goes, the dunes are a wild place, but I don't know of any bandits necessarily, and if that's what's going on over there, then I don't imagine they stand much of a chance against the Rust Dwarves. Well, what about rival armies? Well, that's another story. I couldn't get a good look at the people that are fighting the dwarves down there, but if they are who I think they might be, then they probably work for that fucking fire giant in the middle of the desert. Bold of them to come this far north, though. I've heard enough. I'm going to rush on in. Okay. <laughs> now, running through the sand, that's... uh Difficult terrain? Hazardous terrain, I assume? No, just difficult. It's difficult. Guess who it doesn't bother <laughs> Yeah, right? So, I could use one of my spells of the freedom of movement and uh, just not give a fuck about the terrain. Yeah. And I think, especially given the fact that I'm much slower than everyone else to begin with. You're probably not slower than me. But... Yeah, a bit slower than the uh, other two heavy hitters, and I'm kind of tank, so. Um, oh, uh, Vin, did you... End up taking the, uh, uh, what was it? Dimension door or no? Mm -hmm. 
sit on that. Well, see, unless you told Ogden about this, uh, no. But I'm just thinking, if you, if at some point you want to get, say, the tanky person somewhere really quick, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, so you can. You, you can. With yeah, you can bring one person with you when you dimension door. Then, of course, the problem being that your warlock is now in smacking range. At which point, you cast mirror image. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I don't have mirror image yet. Never mind then. Yeah, but yeah, for future use. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, Ogden's gonna go ahead and cast Freedom of Movement on himself. Thank goodness it's not a concentration. Uh, and he's going to go charging on him. You could probably write the wizard into combat. You know, that's actually a much better idea. There you go. The handle animal check, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all three of you could probably ride it into combat. I mean, yeah, you, if you guys ride the lizard into the area and then dismount before the fight, it would not, you would not need to handle, handle animal. But if you ride the, the okay, lizards okay. into the fight, then you would need to handle the animal. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to put my mountain at that kind of risk, so. Yeah, a little bit closer and then hop off of it. Yeah, All right, so. near the lizards in case something comes to Oh, I can actually drop a guardian of fate there. <laughs> Mark is also following him. Yes, let's be right. right on is, in. Is everyone just going to run in? It may as well, yeah. Uh, I think you do. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Lauren? Are you, uh, is, is Ben going to get involved? Um, I see my... Uh, sorry, so I was uh, looking up spell stuff. When you are describing the battle below, yeah. Um, we'll do a quick refresher. Sorry. Oh, so uh, you guys are basically at the crest of a dune, and when the dune sort of bottoms out, there is uh, an oasis here, mm-hmm. and on one, on like a side of the oasis is is two armies clashing. One of seven. Sorry. One. Uh, yeah. One of seven rust dwarves and one of thirteen people that your tracker believes might be tied to the fire giant that lives in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's no, like, uh, uh, obviously bad guys, right? This is, like, well, two local warring bands. Yes. That I'm well, other than the fact that, I mean, you what you know of the Rust Wars mm-hmm. would probably make you think that they're either being defensive fighting, like they're protecting themselves from being attacked, or okay. they are attacking these people because they're bandits. Or because okay. they they think they're bandits. Without actually di- diplomatically engaging this fight, it's impossible to know for sure. Um, but at the tracker saying, I think those guys might be attached um to the the group that works for the fire giant, Ogden got up and said, "Well, that's good enough for me," and, and ran into battle. So, all right. Well, I'm going to cast uh, armor of shadows on myself. Well, that's just armor of Agathis. Oh no, well, it's not. It's, it's armor yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So I'm casting major armor on myself. Okay, and that takes your AC to what now? Um, so I'm little, kind of, my, uh, AC is, uh, 17. 
and I'm not sure, that's what I was trying to look up, um, what it would do my armor class to. Um, I think it would give me an extra one or two points. Um, well, let's see here. Mage so, armor, um, your, your base AC becomes 13 plus your mm -hmm. dex. So what's your dex modifier? Two. So your AC becomes 15. And mm -hmm. what other things do you have that affects your AC? I have a plus two for my staff, and I have uh, like leather armor. Well, your leather armor doesn't protect you. Why not? Because you have mage armor on. I can't stack them? No. Okay, well... This is why mage armor is a thing. Yes. Because the way armor works in 5th edition is that it doesn't give you a plus to your AC. It, it sets your AC's base. So a unarmored regular person has a base AC of 8 plus their dex mod. Mage armor gives you base 13 plus your dex. Okay. I'd hate to uh, rain on this parade, but according to USRG, it says the spell ends if the target dons armor. That is correct. So the fact that she's already got leather armor on, yeah, not work. That is correct. You touch a willing creature who isn't wearing armor, they gain a protective magical force that surrounds you until the spell ends. Which would be fantastic for Tenshi. Yeah. It what made armor? Tenshi into a fucking tank. Holy shit. Bing, 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 bing. Um, I'm not sure it's better than what he already has. Well, yeah. Well, I don't have armor. Well, the dexterity bonus to, uh, to his AC. That's why his AC is so high. If it was base 13. What, what's your, uh, dex and wisdom bonus? Are you, like, a plus 9 total now? Uh, eight, uh, 7. Okay. 7. That would put your AC up to 20. Holy crap. That'd be cool. Hmm. I don't think that it would. Really? Yeah, because... You know what, my base AC is 10 plus dex plus wisdom. It's not 10 plus dex, it's 8 plus dex. No, uh, un unarmored defense 10. says, if you are wearing no armor and not wearing a shield, your AC equals 10 plus dex plus wisdom. Hmm. I think the purpose behind that is to prevent you from gaining armor from other sources... So I don't think that if you cast, I think if you cast Mage Armor on him, his AC becomes 13 plus Dex. Oh, okay. Which means I'm not really changing anything. Right. Okay. Because That's your Wisdom's awesome. plus three, right? Yep. So yeah, it's literally no different from what you already have. <laughs> okay. Well. Anyway. With all of that knowledge, I will. Uh, cast Armor of Gathis and uh, make my 20, I, I don't know, move towards the combat, but stay sort of on the edges. Are you off of your mount right now? Uh, no, I'll stay on my mount. Okay, okay. So, so everyone except for Tenchi is running into this fight on your mounts. Correct. Okay. Um, but I don't want to be in the middle of the fight. I'm going to sort of stick to the... Uh, yeah, you can definitely stick to the edges. Okay. Anyway, let me know when we get within 60 feet of the group. Sure. 
I might uh, shades ire one of the leaders if I can. You're gonna what? Shades ire, you know that taunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So you guys crest the hill on on lizard back, except for Tenchi, who's running on foot. <laughs> and your presence is pretty immediately fucking obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that, the rust dwarves disengage from the fight put their backs to a dune putting the people your the, the the people that they were fighting in the middle between them and yourselves cuz they don't know what sides are on Sounds um, good. so the rust dwarves have repositioned themselves and at this moment you guys sort of begin to get within 100 feet of the the people you're charging and um the rust dwarves look like they prepare themselves to also charge. And at this, the 13 people drop their weapons and yield. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's smart. So as soon as it's a fair <laughs> fight, they don't want to fight. <laughs> well, they also no longer have the advantage. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, they're... So yeah, do you guys charge into them or do you stop? Or well, slow down? I'm not willing to attack a uh, opponent who is surrendering. So if uh, if they are yielding, then I'll still move towards them, but I'm not going to, you know, bloodthirsty charge and shades ire anymore. Tension will just running and just run straight into the oasis. Okay. That's right, they're just, they're just running past everyone. They probably just are standing and staring, watching him run. Then splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash. Right. <laughs> God damn it, Tenchi. <laughs> All right. So if we're uh, close enough with the near shot. I'll yeah. uh, call out. What's going on here? One of the rust dwarves, who clearly sort of is denoted. Um, as the leader of the seven of them steps forward and stabs his uh, his great sword into the sand and accusatorily points at the group between you two mm-hmm. and says in dwarven, recognizing you as a dwarf, mm-hmm. goes, "These tall sand heathen bastards are coming up north from serving their fire giant master. I suppose they're bored of raiding fierce." fearful and desperate villagers and are coming north, but we won't let them have this water or anything else. Alright, acknowledged. Splash, splash, splash. Does the uh, mercenary group say anything? They don't speak Dwarven. Or, no, nah, I'm just asking if they're saying anything in common. Kind of, like, defend themselves. Uh, they're kind of, they're, most of them, like I said, have yielded. They've, like, thrown their weapons into the sand and are kind of like, uh, like, <sighs> Sort of in uh, non. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say non-aggressive stance. So it's a bit redundant, but they're like on their knees or like you know, what's that? So what's mean. that? Um, the word when like your hands are like palm on the ground and like head is down is like prostination or something like that. Prostrated. Prostrated. Yeah, most of them are like that. Um, but what is who is clearly their leader? Uh, is some manner of elf, and he is standing tall, uh, long sword sheathed, but not discarded. 
mm-hmm. and he seems to realize that there is a there is a conversation between you, Ogden, and the mm-hmm. Rust Dwarf. So he's looking at you for a response because he can't understand. Them. Yeah, at which point I acknowledge him and I say, "And uh, what brings you up here?" He grabs uh, a, a metal from his vest and tears it off. It's like a like a dark iron symbol of some kind. Oh, uh, shit. And he throws black it on iron, the... Not black iron. Huh? Nothing, don't worry. Don't... He throws it at the ground at your feet. Um, and it's some sort of symbol. You don't recognize it, but it's not the Sunderer symbol. You know that for sure. Oh, okay, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not It's not a hammer. It's It's like... It's some rune that doesn't register to you. It doesn't look like a known language to you. So it's probably more of a symbol than an, an actual language. Well, hopefully it's not an explosive rune. I've made my mistakes with that already. <laughs> um, do you? How, how familiar are you guys with the Elder Furthok uh, Nordic rune? Uh, unfortunately, not. Okay, we're not. Which we're is a shame to ha- which is a shame to you two fucks. You guys should know. I know, I know. I've looked them up before, but I haven't like made them to memory. I make no claims to be Viking. <laughs> I make no claims to be a linguist. The symbol on the medallion looks kind of like this. Okay. Okay. So like. I, it, you guys saw it backwards, so it doesn't really translate, but um, mm-hmm. it's like a lowercase n, a mm-hmm. lowercase l, and then two scores horizontally through them. Huh. Um, and he just throws that at your feet and uh, says in Elvin... I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, so for those in the party who do understand Elvin, can understand what he's saying. He says, we're free men now, free from his tyrannical reign, and all we wanted was some water so we could store up and escape this hell-scorched desert. At this point, Tenchi's going like, squish, 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 back up to the group. Sure. (laughs) Good, we might need you for translating. Um... Fork, do you speak uh, Elvin? I speak Elvin. Yeah, but you're way back on the sand. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. So. Fork just kind of shrugs and says, Don't look at me, I don't speak white ears. <laughs> so Tenchi, dripping wet, still in his clothes. It's like, sorry, did I miss something? I mean, yeah. yeah you, as far as I can tell, no one in the party who heard that statement speaks Elvin. So. Correct. No one That's knows it. what that elf said. <laughs> Right. I say, Tenchi, uh, we need your translation skills. He speaks Elvin, we don't. Man, there's a first time for everything. Nope. You guys need me for something brainy. Alright, uh-huh. so I just turn to the elf and I start talking and Elvin's like, okay, uh, what's, what's going on? What's the deal? The elf sort of turns his attention to you and points at the, the, the metal on the ground and repeats what he said, essentially. Um, right. Uh, a bit more pleading that he now clearly is speaking to someone that understands him. He he changes his language a little bit to sort of make him sound a little more pitiful, but he does not plead. He doesn't beg or anything. 
He's, he's very clear that he's going to earn whatever freedom he has uh, and is willing to fight for it. But all he all he and the people with him want to do is get out of this desert. And that he admits that they were working for the fire giant that lives in the middle of the desert, but they don't anymore. So I, I repeat this back, and it's kind of like, well, he doesn't want to work for the fire giant anymore. Mm-hmm. They wanted water so that they could leave, and they're not looking for a fight to leave here. They just want to leave. All right. Taking that information, I'm going to uh, take my sandstorm lizard kind of around the group over towards the restaurant and uh, repeat to them. Uh, do they speak common? Did they Did they hear that? Who? Well, that was an elvish, not common. Yeah, I know, but uh, Tenchi telling us oh. that we're translating to us. Like, do they do the rest of us need me to go over and tell them what what we've been told? Um, maybe it's because of distance, and maybe it's because of not a great grasp on common. But yeah, you feel you feel the need that they might need a an in between here. Okay. Useful. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to make my way over, uh, split from the party, make my way over to the Rust Wars. And in a uh, speaking manner, uh, tell them, it seems like these folks here once were under the fire, the fire giant's command, but have become free men and seek nothing but to leave this place. And they wanted to stop for water and refresh before continuing. Um, so Tenshi would already know this, but, um... Ogden will have it brought to his attention. The oasis mm-hmm. is not plentiful. Mm-hmm. There is water there, but not a lot. Uh, so when the rust dwarf says, one, I don't believe them. What are we supposed to do? Trust them, let them go north and harry towns on the outskirts of the desert for free? Not while my beard still grows. And this is a dwarven, right? This is a dwarven. Uh, two, I can't let them have water. We need this water. And we were here far before he ever stepped foot in this desert. Hmm. Does it, does, to me, as somebody who doesn't speak Mormon, does this sound like he's making, like, a declarative statement, or does it just sound like angry German talking? I mean, he's. I mean, he's a rust dwarf who who was just a moment ago fighting for his life, so it's kind of hard to really ascertain his meaning behind what he's saying. Because you want me to do an inside roll to see if I can. Yeah, if you really want something, give me something. Yeah, adrenaline's probably still pumping, so he's. Ooh, uh, question. I'm just gonna move. Whatever, my, I'm going to get off my animal and, and move. Okay. Solid 25 there, eh, bro? So you can tell that he seems to be standing his ground on whatever it is he's talking about. Um, and you see him, he has pointed towards the oasis, his pretty low water level a couple of times. So you can mm-hmm. discern that that is clearly a point of contention. Alright. Okay. Uh, so I kind of holler over to Ark and it's like, maybe... We should discuss this all together as a group. This leader over here, the leader over there, and us two translating in between. 
That sounds agreeable. I translate to the uh, Rust Rule Pleader. He would uh, would engage in a parlay. And I give I give the same information to the elf. He sheathes his greatsword and on his back and says, "That would be agreeable." Uh, the elf who has already sheathed his long sword by this point, at, when he yielded, uh, nods in agreement. And by this point, uh, Vin has joined the party in this discussion. Yeah. Okay. And then wave Vin over to us because she's going to be useful here in a little bit. Then I think it would be best to motion everyone to go sit by the oasis mm-hmm. while we do this. I don't understand a word anybody's saying. But you do have an ace up your sleeve. No, you have a translator. Vim can translate both sides of this. She doesn't speak Dwarven. Oh, yes, she does. I thought her. Both Elven and Dwarven. Perfect. You are now the party face. Alright, so I assume I assume that Vin has brought up the speed? Yes. Yeah. And, just uh, kind of moving over as well. Alright. Even though I can't understand most of what is going on, I can kind of tell that there's an interrogation going on or whatnot. <laughs> Uh, poor like, um, yeah, so, yeah, I feel bored in on the fact that, yeah, I feel with enough people who speak the same language in the party, it would be suffice to say that whoever is not doing a current negotiation call translating for the other people, right? Mm-hmm. So, if if that's a rule we want to run, I think that would be fair. All right, well, either way, Bork is going to cast Zone of Truth. Ooh, Ooh. yeah, okay. <laughs> damn, you've been holding on that card for a long time. Yep. Well, I haven't really needed it, so, but I've got it. No, I, I do. This is a great use for that. Yeah, it totally is. So here we are, sitting like, by the oasis. So, like, with both parties, what zone of truth um, does, and I'll translate or whatever. Again? Or, She's saying read out what zone of truth does. Alright, uh, you probably have to clean the What was that? Oh, sorry, she's gonna read the card and you can translate it to the elf how if you want. I'll translate it to the dwarf. Go ahead, read up. You create a magical zone that guards against the deception in a foot. guards against deception in a 15 foot radius sphere centered on a point of your choice within range. Until the spell ends, a creature that enters the spell's area for the first time on a turn, or starts its turn there, must make a charisma saving throw. On a failed save, a creature can't speak a deliberate lie while in the late uh, radius. You know whether each creature succeeds or fails on its saving throw. An affected creature is aware of the spell and can thus avoid answering questions to which it would normally respond with a lie. Such a creature can be evasive, and its answers as long as it remains within the boundaries of the truth. Ten, okay. ten minutes. Alright. So, let's inform the dwarf and the elf that we are going to pop a zone of truth. I also request that they hand over their weapons. Hand over? Yeah. They've sheathed them. They're, they yeah, should be they're, fine. They're fine. If either of them okay. draws, I'm going to jump in the middle of both of them and just be that uh, little short, angry tank dwarf. That I you am. say short uh, when you're comparing the fact that you're going to be running into a melee that's two thirds dwarf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At that point, you would be average height. Yeah. Yeah. True. Before will just lash his great axe down <laughs> between them, be like enough. <laughs> sure. Anyway, uh, let's get yeah. this on though. Um, All right. So you cast Zone of Truth. 
the party and the two leaders of the respective bands are inside of the zone of truth. Mm-hmm. Do any of the party members want to attempt the charisma saving throw? No, while in the in the zone of truth. Yeah. I mean, there would be no purpose for me to lie, so I have to make the charisma saving. Throw that is that is good. fair, but bear in mind that there is a difference in that. Just because you are going to tell the truth doesn't mean that you don't want to have to. You know, why the hell not? Nope, I failed. <sighs> sure. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. Alright, uh, Lauren, are you taking it as well? I will, uh, unlock, like, like 25. Alright, and so, Bork, you don't have oh. to roll because it's your effect. But, as per the spell, you know who has succeeded and who has failed. What's your spell save, DC? I have no idea. Here, let me see your paper. I think it's 8 plus your proficiency plus your spell casting modifier. That is correct. 8 plus proficiency, you said, plus what? Plus charisma. Right, your charisma is plus 2, your proficiency is 3, yeah, 13. How okay. Is a charisma modifier? Oh, yeah. Charisma? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paladins are the first uh, class that makes, like, ultimate good use of the charisma. Huh. Well, I mean, Warlock's too, but... That's what they were Nope. Alright, so spell save DC is 13. Correct. So, Bork, you know for a fact that everyone in the Zone of Truth has failed the, 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 the save, except for Vin and the Elf. Oh, bummer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, and let me check and see what the recursion rate on the on the save is. Alright, our start a turn there. It has to make it save. So Vin, to continue having passed the save in that zone of truth, uh, you will have to make another save. I'll, I'll just do regular intervals throughout the conversation. Okay. Alright. Okay. Alright. So, discussion begin. So, as we understand it, the elf and his group here, and um, if I speak in common, does it look like both the, uh, the dwarf and the elf are understanding me, or do we have to keep this, there seems to be a language barrier for common for both of them. Okay. So, then uh, you can go ahead and repeat this to the uh, elf. Mm-hmm. And all. No, other way around. Vin can do the dwarf. I'll handle the elf. If she speaks for him, and I don't. You know, actually, Vin handles or speaks both conversations or both languages. So, yeah. maybe just do the entire thing. And we should just watch for body language uh, to see if anyone's, you know, shifty or whatnot. Okay. Anyway, so Vin, so, how do you how do you engage these two parties? So, I'm going to um, ask the uh, I'm going to say, you know, knowing that we are um, now in the truth, I would like you to each state once more your um, purposes for uh, requiring this, you know, water source. And who do you ask first? 
I'm going to ask the elf first. This seems to disgruntle the dwarf, but the elf continues anyway. Uh, the elf says, As I had said before, me and my companions here are former of the employ to the fire giant that lives in the middle of the desert. Um, we are heading north to get out of the desert because we have earned our freedom by running away and are probably being pursued because we are essentially deserters to the giant. And okay. Uh, can I do like a maybe a perception check to see if there's any deception or? Um, the thing is, is that's going to be entirely on you to decide. Um, so yeah, go ahead, roll an insight. Um, yeah. So I can, if I roll a deception check, is that only me deceiving, or is that? De deception is for you to deceive. Okay. Insight is to perceive deception. Okay. Insight is the new spot motive. Uh, well, I got a seven. Okay. No. So, given the fact that he's in a zone of truth, you probably assume he's t telling you the truth. And it okay. doesn't match what he's already said. Question. And even though Bork can't understand what's going on because it's in a different language, would he still be able to make an insight throw to be able to like perceive body language? Um, I would normally say you'd have disadvantage because you don't understand what that elf is saying. And normally I would say that you would have advantage considering that they're standing in a zone of truth that you have control over. So let's say that they balance out and that you can just make the check normally. Okay. And it's not that you don't know what's being said, you do, because you have somebody who speaks Elven sitting right next to you and somebody who Well, it's not like... That is I correct, stop. but it's not like seven people are talking at the same time. Uh, it's not like you have a, a sign language translator standing next to their conversation, word-by-word word translating for you. I know really it's. To learn some sign language. I, I know that it's really, really meta for you guys to hear their conversation that you don't understand. But as far as you're concerned, you don't know that the elf has said the same thing twice now. All you know is that the elf has said something again. Uh, in this zone of truth. Mm -hmm. No, I know you said the same thing twice. All right, you do, but my point is that not everyone does. Oh, okay. All right, what'd you get? I got a sixteen on my insight. Okay, um, you can tell that there might be more information, but everything that that elf said is true. Okay, All right. I'm going to reach into the door and say, um, uh, the whatever elf over here um, repeated that he has seen the um, employee of the giant and Nearly wants some water to feed him and his uh, fellow uh, deserters out of this desert. Um, we don't believe, you know, I believe he's telling the truth. Well, if he's being truthful, then a deserter can't be trusted, no matter how you put it. 
And also, the problem remains, there's simply not enough water to be shared. The oasis is almost entirely dried up. Now, the rains are coming soon, but still, they're not here yet. But wouldn't you want to ensure that um, your enemies are weakened? If these soldiers can indeed escape um, out of the desert successfully away from the uh, giant, then his uh, forces are left all weaker. Wouldn't it benefit you, at least to the amount of some you know, gallons of water? Well, the, can I roll persuasion? You can. Also, when there's a lull in the conversation, Ogden, speaking in Sylvan, is going to ask him, hey, don't you have the ability to create a bunch of water? No. Responding in Sylvan, I say no, she cannot create water, she can only modify it. I already thought of that, sorry. <laughs> Alright, well, we got a 13 for persuasion. 13? So the dwarf sort of relents his aggression a little, but he points out that we were about to win the fight regardless, so my enemy's armies were already about to be 13 men weaker. It's not them as a threat to us that I worry, it's them rampaging less defensible people on the dunes. As the representative of Legion Saigo 17, I do not want to see people walk freely northways when they could be taken by surprise. Um, I think that's a fair concern, and uh, I will um, I'm I will ask the, uh, the elf leader uh, about your concerns. I'll communicate your concerns to uh, the elf leader about banditry. Um, so I talk to the elf and I go, uh, yeah, the dwarf is responsible for the safety of the people in this section of the desert and is concerned about um, if they uh, let you go and Providing the water, you might um, raid some towns on your way out of the desert, um, causing harm to the locals. Do you have any uh, intention of this? With the water at this oasis, we would have enough supplies to exit the desert. And I have not seen that that dwarf over there seems at all interested in letting us take water from this place. Um, what would he have us do? Not, Just go ahead. No, what was that? What would he have us do? Discard our weapons? We would have to protect ourselves, even. The. That group of rust dwarves attacked us when we stopped. They didn't even attempt to engage us. They simply drew, drew weapons upon seeing our regalia, which we must wear to survive in this harsh environment. 
Uh, so you would uh, wear uh, an oath not to uh, raid any town. Would you be willing to do that? Or to harm any uh, inhabitants of the uh, desert? You and the elf need to remake your charisma saving throw. Um, Bork, you know that the elf failed. Yeah, like a twenty. Elf has failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got a what? Uh, a lot over over twenty. Okay, so Vin still succeeded. So okay. Vin, for all intents and purposes, can still lie. Okay. Well, uh, kind of mm, relaxes a little bit. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh. So, sorry, what was your question exactly again? Uh, if the elf would be willing to take an oath that uh, his people would do no harm to the inhabitants of the desert. He sort of has changed his tone, because you can tell he's under the effects of the Zone of Truth directly now. He says, while I would like to do so, words do not seem to work with these dwarves, as I attempted to use words at first... Perhaps I could have done it better, but I would always prefer to handle things with words rather than swords. I must be assured, however, that that would even help our, our plight. If you, uh, would you be willing to take an oath not to harm the inhabitants of this desert if you were provided with, um, water? Would that be a fair trade? Absolutely. If only we were promised that that oath would save us from future attack. So, um, I'm going to communicate to the, uh, the dwarf captain that um, the elf would be willing to Take an oath not to uh, harm any of the inhabitants um, in exchange for some water, or at least not um, attack any of the uh, inhabitants outside of in exchange for some water. Uh, Would you be willing to negotiate an amount of water that would be acceptable? The dwarf points out that it's not... The, the problem is that there's not enough water for both groups to continue with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Period. Like, if, they, if either of the groups took less than the amount of water that they needed, then they would not be able to do what they needed to do. And there's not enough water to do both of those. Is Arvin still translating the door for the people who are not actively in the conversation? I probably am, yeah. Um, so I asked Vin and Sylvan uh, to ask the dwarf if he knows if there are any other water sources around that he could be able to use should this one not be available. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll translate that and ask the dwarf captain, um, are there any other... Water sources or towns nearby. 
he points out that the only one that would be reasonable for him and his troop to get to without resupplying at this oasis would be one of the checkpoints at the edge of the desert. I go ahead and pipe up and ask um, in, in common, pretty much, you know, would the dwarves be willing to escort the other party outside of the desert and just share the water as they travel? That's a solid point, but how do you know the context to ask that? I'm guessing that Ogden has been translating. Okay, if he has. Yeah. All right, then, then sure, yeah. All right, that's a reasonable... Uh, suggestion to the he sort of seems to really struggle with the concept, but uh, decides to turn the question on to you all and asks, how is it that you all are out here in the middle of the desert? Um, I, I guess like we are heading to investigate the uh, strange occurrences at the Black Sands. He just came from uh, the town a day away. It's only been a day, right? Did you travel, right? Yeah. It's been about two days at this point. Yeah, two days. A day to get to town, and then another day of rest. Right. And travel to get here. So, um, a day's travel, whatever direction, uh, from here lays a, um, a town... Um, where a, a great a great magic struck, uh, and we were able to um, uh, vanquish the the person who um, passed the devastating spell. However, that left the town um, completely abandoned. There, it is full of um, stuff, and I'm sure there would be water supplies there. Uh, needed uh, additional water and food rations. Uh, with the addition of those supplies plus uh, this oasis, I'm sure it would be plenty for the group here. That might not be the problem, but at that point we'd have to go back to the checkpoint anyway, and we're traveling south. So the dwarves are headed further into the desert? Yes. So they don't want to backtrack to escort them to the edge. Right. They just want to continue on their way. Right. So he points, he asks his question again, since you didn't really answer it. How yeah. is it that you all have come this far? I think he's asking for, like, how the hell did we make it out here with limited water and supplies? Um, well, we, uh, applied well, um, and are riding our sand lizards back there with the aid of a guide from the... And so he sort of chirps up at that and he goes, well, who? what is your tracker? Is he a rust dwarf? Yes. Then bring him out here and he can take notes from me and bring them back so our duty could be fulfilled. That works. Um, is the uh, is the tracker within earshot or you probably have to shout? But yeah, you imagine he could hear you. 
His last name, but I got that his first name is Thurgok. Yeah. So, uh, Ogden calls out Dwarven out to Thurgok. Thurgok, right, can he, you come he, here for a moment, please? He crests the, the dunes and sort of has his crossbow primed as he does so, but recognizes the situation and lowers it and brings uh, himself, his lizard, and anyone else's lizard that was left up there. Mine. <laughs> right. Down into the valley, and a moment later he's amongst you. And uh, he... So, uh, he fails the, the check into the zone of truth. And, uh, and says, okay, what is it you need? In common. Alright, I'm going to say uh, we are... Engage in some delicate negotiations over use of this oasis, and the fourth captain here would like to ask you a question. So he turns to the captain, and in Dwarven says, What is it, brother? What is it that you require of me? The Dwarf captain, you know, tells him that him and his band are obviously on a regular security route but also are traveling to the glass field the glass sands to do some reconnaissance on how that is developed if he would take notes on it and report to his superior when he gets back to the uh, checkpoint town where you guys picked him up at then he could escort this band of um deserters to the fire giant to the edge of the desert and get them out of the desert out of his hair. Uh, your Thurgok agrees to this and uh, there seems to be a, a, a dwarven handshake of some sort to sort of seal the, prep the proposition and uh, Thurgok turns to you and says, alright, well was there anything else? Um, I'm going to um, sort of translate what just happened to uh, the elf and say, um, "Would this is this agreeable to you and your men?" Only if we can keep ourselves armed. We promised, under my blood and my last name, that no harm would come to our escort. But I must request that we keep our freedoms. All right, um, I uh, will say um, to the fourth captain, um, the uh, deserters agree uh, to what would be happy for an escort out of the uh, desert. Um, uh, they swear uh, no harm to... And this is under the zone of truth. They have no harm to you or your men, but wish to keep uh, their weapons handy as the desert can be uh, an unforgiving place. The dwarf seems to really struggle with that, but concedes that he will agree to that. Okay. Uh, excellent. So I'm going to tell each of them that uh, they have an agreement on their hands. 
and um, give the uh, you know a little nod bow and say uh, I think our, our work here is uh, done. Okay. All right, so they they go and they between the two groups take all of the water that they that there is to the oasis and it's kind of dried up. So there's none for you all. I might have a solution for that. We can continue. You have to dip, have to take a swim. So I mean that, that that's my continue. There's nothing else to it. Uh, okay. You guys. So I guess, go ahead. I guess the band kind of goes away from here. Well, if we, we want to stay behind, we can have a nice little chat with our handy dandy friend, the Spirit of Water. Alternatively, um, create and destroy water is a cleric spell. Do you have it? Yeah, uh, I do not have it prepped, but I could, given a I, long rest. I don't know if that's going to be enough to fill the pool. Well, I can create, uh, I can blow two fourth level spells and create 80 gallons worth of water. Not I mean, enough to fill it, but probably get it back to where it was. We don't necessarily need water. Our mounts might need a little bit, but we ourselves do not need water because the water skin is endless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we probably ought to just do that. Right, but I'm thinking we could get in touch with the handy dandy friend, the water crystal, yeah. and say, look, these people are struggling and fighting over water. Is there any way you can help out, even if it just means maybe it rain a little early? I don't think they need water right now, though. We just drained an oasis. Yeah, but they said the rains are coming soon. Right. We just drained an oasis. I'm not asking for her to make the entire plains burden green. But like refill the pool or make it rain a little sooner. I mean, it's, I, I just don't see the need. You have a band of former soldiers of the giant trying to flee from their former commander slash officer slash master, whatever you want to word it. If they're willing to fight to the death over scraps of water in the desert, this one little band, imagine what war would do in other oasises. This isn't going to be something that happens once. This will be something that happens again and again and again. And when there's no water, people are going to turn violent and desperate. And the raiding that they said they won't do will become an all-through common thing. Yeah. At the same time, it's a desert. It is a desert, but also... This one oasis, if it were filled, or at least probably solve water, a big problem. The, uh, the issue, the difference between life, life and death, right. for another group. They reacted the way they did because the oasis was already near drained. We have effectively mm -hmm. drained it. It was just like, like lack of trust and healthiness of like old-fashioned D and D racism. <laughs> right, but also lack of valuable necessity resource will do that to a person. Such is the way of the desert. I mean, but it doesn't have to be. Right, but it doesn't have to be that way. This right, but you're at, full at some point. But you're pointing. You, what you're doing is saying we should call upon the powers of a fucking demigod 
Because the desert is waterless. No, to keep further conflict from tearing the region apart, thus giving the giant potentially more power. But but they're but they're going. They're leaving the desert. Well, let me ask this. Can you uh, ask the elf where the fire giant is located? Maybe that's another problem that we can take care of while we're out. It's probably going to be something we can take care of anyway. Possibly, but if we know where we're going, that always helps. Better yet, does he have a map? Uh, Vin, could you translate that to the elf, please? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to ask for any information on the fire giant. What are, where is the fire giant located? Um, what are the sizes of uh, their troops and defenses? You know, just some um, basic information like that before we. Uh, also, a map would be nice. Or any so secret ways to layer. He tells you that the his former employers castle is actually in the middle of the desert. Like, not being coy. Square with, geographical middle of the desert. Right. Almost as if it was on purpose. Mm, go figure. Which would indicate to you that you probably need to head east of the grass sands to get there. Okay. Um, and what are the, uh, the defenses like? immeasurable. Tall walls, oil, fire, sulfur, and brimstone are his keys to keeping his walls safe from siege. So it's a stronghold. It very much is a stronghold. How tall are the walls? I've never measured. I think I can't find that. But I have to mention the yeah, that puts you on the wall by yourself in the middle of a stronghold. Well, she could bring one person with her. Yeah. That puts two people on a wall in the middle of a stronghold. I can rope up with me, like, you don't know. Anyway, um, then ask him how they escaped. Um, I'm... The way they used to get out, we might be able to use to get in, if necessary. Yeah. How did you uh, escape the employee of the fire giant? It's kind of a sad story. At the end of our last reconnaissance mission, we were less than successful in our duty, and my brother was killed for insubordination. So, during this reconnaissance mission, uh, we decided to break north. And so we have. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Right, well, this might be something to look into later then. But, yeah, I think they've reached an agreement. They're going to drain the oasis. Um, about what time during the day is it? Like early morning? Or, no, or, let's or, say mid-afternoon. Mid-afternoon? I mean... We always could just uh, camp here for the night. And like I said, I could generate some water for the oasis tomorrow. Would it even keep? Um, no, I mean, like, does it have a timeline or something? Or does it just stay there? Oh, no, it just creates it. It's just oh, okay. there. And I can even create it as rain. 
So. Sure, if you wanted to do that, we could camp here. At least that might prevent someone else from, you know. Right, which is what the heart of the thing I was trying to get at, is that yeah. by making water a less scarce resource, we reduce conflict. Yeah. So, here in the middle of the desert, I should probably have create water prepped anyway. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about this. Ooh, that's a fantastic point, Bork. Did you all hear that? No. One more time? If deserters are truly being hunted, it might not be a good idea to fill up the oasis. Why not? Because their pursuers would uh, have access to that water. Because the rust dwarves aren't leaving anyone here to guard it. Right. I mean, it would make sense to, to put resources on an oasis. Mm -hmm. All right. Either way, I feel like this is pretty much resolved. They're going to es escort the uh, runaways out of the desert. Yep. We'll uh, take care of uh, um, scouting the glass sands for them because that's what we're going to do anyway. Yeah. And when we return back to that town, we'll uh, have the guy uh, deliver his report. All right, so you guys go on or stay the night? Well, if you're going to be expending your higher level spell slots here, we should yeah. probably spend the night. Um, how does it work to uh, to uh, reprep spells? Like I know in three five, if you have an empty spell slot, you could uh, take fifteen minutes and prep a new one. But is there anything like that in fifth? Um. I don't know. Let me check how preparing spells works real fast. Yeah, I was looking, but there's nothing on the SRD right now, so maybe in the book. I need to see what it says in the uh, <laughs> spell casting. Mm -hmm. Podcast on pause while we're. No, nope, I'll just edit this huge pause out. <laughs> uh, well, in the uh, spell chapter, it says it's dependent yeah. upon the uh, class, so. You can change your list of prepared spells when you finish a long rest. When I finish a long rest, okay. Hold on. Um, preparing a new list of cleric spells requires time spent in prayer and meditation, at least one minute per spell level for each spell on your list. Um, so I would say that if you wanted to just change one spell, then you could do it in a short rest, just for simplicity's sake. Okay. But let's not make a habit of it. Alright, that sounds good. So change one of my first level spells up to create water. And then I can cast it at higher level spell slots to have more of an effect. Yep. And we could go ahead and just do that now so we could top off the water so that they can have enough for the entire group as they head north. Okay. Let's do that.
Okay. Let's see. Um, I think I will go ahead and uh, swap out Detect Good and Evil. Okay. Great water. And then I'll go ahead and uh, burn one of my fourth level spell slots to create 40 gallons in a rain over the oasis. Alright, does anyone have any de- magic detection on right now? Magic detection? No. Yeah, like no one is under the effect of a detect magic spell or anything equivalent, correct? Correct. I don't think so. So you cast Create Water, mm-hmm. and you cast it correctly, mm-hmm. but uh, the rain falls and the water evaporates before it hits the sand. That's peculiar. You mean it's not supposed to do that? No. It's supposed to, you know, fall. Hm. Interesting. So this is like an unnatural heat wave, perhaps. Does it feel particularly hot? I mean, I get it's a desert, but does no, it feel we... like something's amiss in terms of temperature? No. Not, when we not... started the session, you did say it was hotter. No. What did you say, Kenny? Um... So it's been getting hotter as you've been traveling south because you're in the middle of the desert now. Mm-hmm. But like, no, it does not feel so hot that water would evaporate in the air before you like it is. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm about time to cast one of those rituals of yours. All right. Well, if we're staying here the night, I'll go ahead and uh, start prepping the detect magic ritual. Ten minutes for that. <laughs> Anyone else want to do anything while I'm doing that? Work those uh, stick figures in the, the sand. <laughs> Tension's probably going to faff about at the empty oasis, maybe pop around and see if anything weird stands out. Because as far as he knows, the oasis is the only thing that has a problem to it. Yeah. yeah. He's not magical inclined, so he's not going to be able to do much with that. You're already doing the tech magic, so... Yeah. Not much point in me doing it. Those guys are always better than one, and if we're taking the time anyway. Sir, all right. Well, then I'll uh, sit and take the ten minutes to ritual cast the tech magic as well. All right. I don't know. Is there an assist function for spellcasting like that? No. No, I'm purely saying that uh, if we both have detect magic on, we have both our my perception and her perception, trying to find whatever the issue is. All right. That's right. Um. Also, Tenchi, uh, have you tried, like, dumping out some water from your water skin into the OA? <laughs> no, I hadn't thought of that, so I go ahead and uncork the endless water. No, correction. I uncork my non-endless water water skin, pour that out instead. Alright, so you pour water out of your regular water skin. Correct. The water pools on the sand. Hmm. Interesting. So rain, magically created rain, was dispelled or countered or whatever, but me just pouring out my water skin was not. So it's not an effect on the water, it's an effect on the source. You should try that, uh, taking a sip from the magic water. 
I'm hesitant to do so. <laughs> if our magic water doesn't work, then uh, we right. have bigger problems all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> right. So, detect magic? Alright, yeah, you guys just wait it out then? You guys just wait it out? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, uh, who, who, uh, who finishes their, their ritual first? Do you guys want to kind of just coalesce at the same time? Probably about the same time, yeah. Yeah, it takes 10 minutes. Yeah, you guys so are both briefly blinded with how filled the desert is with enchantment magic. Ouch, my eyes. I'm blinded by the lights. Hmm. Okay, then. Well, after uh, after being blinded, is it possible to kind of, like, blinkingly start to... Uh, oh, I'm saying that for effect. You're not actually blinded by it. Oh, okay. So this area reeks of magic, then. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, can I do any sort of uh, arcana check to determine the type of magic? You certainly could. That. Day on there. Oh, boy. Uh, I always forget I don't have Arcana as a uh, class skill. But that's a total of 17. Um, total of 17. One moment. Let me find what spell this would be. Hey, are you playing music in the background? Am I playing what? Music in the background? No. Is anyone playing music in the background? No. I mean, I keep cracking my knuckles. If no, I I swear to God, it was an audible like, sound. Like it, it sounded like something you played music. Oh, hmm, weird. No, I didn't hear that. Could just be someone driving by you. Oh, it's a baby. <sighs> Okay, you are not able to understand the properties of the spell that's going on. Interesting. With, with that, with that role. know if this um, magic is related to their siblings. That's a good last resort. Then, uh, can you discern anything? Um. So I think they do what magic. Yes, um, and of the transformation <laughs> school. Not a transformation, interesting. I don't know what other check I could do. You could make an arcana check. Okay, I'll do an arcana check. Sorry, it's not transformation, it's transmutation. I lied. Transmutation, that's okay. right. A what? A ten? You're not what? able to understand the nature of the magic either. It's clearly some manner of transmutation spell, but you have no idea what it is. Okay. Interesting. I almost feel like it's a high-level destroyed water uh, targeted to magical water only. And maybe you trying to drink from your water skin yet, or are you still scared? No, I'm hesitant to do it because that would mean it's creation. 
water creation magic is limited in some way, then whatever water is in there will be in there, and then that's it. Um, can we take a quick fiber real quick while you guys muddle on this? Yeah, sure. All right, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Uh, no, nah, I'll pause it. All right, be right back, everyone. Five minutes. Oh, Lauren's not back. Right, yet, we're back. Uh, Lauren playing Van is not back, but we're just shooting the shit, so we figured we'd go ahead and put it on the record. Um, so you wanted to play with your water a little bit, right? Um, so the theory is is that it doesn't affect the water itself, but rather. The, the source of the water, whether it's magical creation or a magical item that has an endless source of water. So, if it doesn't affect the water, I should be able to pour whatever is in the endless water skin into the now empty water skin. So, I'm going to go ahead and try and do that. So, which thing first? Well, the, my personal water skin that I've had since the beginning of the adventure is now right. empty because I poured it on the ground. Right. Big shock. So, I'm going to try and pour. <coughs> contents from the endless water skin into the now empty water skin. Okay. So you pour water out of your endless decanter of water or endless mm-hmm. endless uh, water skin. It, it flows and it fills your water skin. Mm-hmm. But like once you like screw the cap back on or whatever on your regular water skin, you can feel the weight leave it and it is now empty again. I go back and try and pour more water from the endless water skin into the regular. You are able to fill it up again. And when you close it, it's empty again. Okay, now I now now that we know that the water will you know just disappear, it's it's a refilling source. I take a big old you know, swig of water here and gulp it down. All right, you drink the water just fine. Okay, fair. So. Does it still quench his thirst, or yep. does it disappear when it's in his gut? Nope, it quenches his thirst. He is sated. Okay. I'm, I'm a satiated attention. So we know that the endless water skin will work, but the water cannot exist outside of the water skin for a person. Hmm. Interesting. Sure, I'm sure, and curious here. So do you guys stay the night there, or do you travel on? Well... We have a couple more hours we could travel, and I've already prepped to create water now. I've already burnt the fourth level slot. And I'm not going to be able to fill the oil. It's like so. There's really no need for us to stay here. And also, don't right. really the deserves really are being pursued. Yeah. It'd be best to go back to our normal uh, route and uh, head south some more. Okay. Well, now that we know that the castle, the fortress rather, is in the dead center of the desert, or are we not going there? We're going to the glass sands first. We're going to the glass sands first. So it's, it's right. That. Okay, that makes sense. I'm let the guy take a bunch of notes and all that fun stuff. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Yes, we'll uh, leave this place. So, while you were gone, Warren, I see you're back with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the party demoed a little bit with the endless water skin and found out that the endless water skin still works. They can still, you guys can still drink water from it, but you cannot store water from it. And trying to leave water in the, in the environment that was not naturally formed there seems to be, uh, dissipated or dispelled 
as it were. So you guys travel south then? Yeah, no reason to hang out. Yes. Alright. You all travel into the evening and through the night uh, with no real hindrances. And on the even though it is late night into early morning, you can already feel the day's heat begin to beat on you. And by the time the sun is fully in the sky, it is the harshest heat you've experienced so far. And halfway through the day's travel, you can see it. Several dunes in a row, completely reduced to flat glass. Hmm. Well, this looks like the place. I'd say so. So how far are we away from the... We're a couple dunes away? No, 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 I'm saying you guys crest a dune, and there is multiple dunes worth of space, flatlands, just glass. So, further investigation, is this glass just completely flat, like there's no ripple, it looks like it was just melted, set, flattened, and now it's just like flat, perfect glass? No, 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 it's not perfectly flat. Okay. But compared to the the sort of up and down and up and down that your venture has been through the dunes of the Great Desert, uh, this is much mm-hmm. more much more flat, but not perfectly like not uh, but like not magically flattened. Right. Yeah, I turn to the dwarf. I turn to the dwarf and I ask just kind of for for for, for a refresher. It's like, how long have these been here again? I don't know for certain. I've never been here, but almost half of a year at this point. And that pretty much lines up with uh, the goings on in the world. So, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to do a um, detect magic ritual cast to see. It might be able to tell us if these were are still old magic. Magical properties or what kind of magic created it. Kind of. Sure. All right. Does anyone want to do anything before she finishes? I might go down and like actually, if I were to just like go down to the bottom of the hill we're on now, would I just be like at the glass? Yeah. All right. I'll take a small trip down to the glass and just take a look at it. I mean, I know it's just gonna be glass, but maybe something weird is gonna happen. No. No. No glass golem pulls itself out of the glass and attacks you. No, not nothing really. No, I was thinking maybe you know some creature would have been preserved within the glass, like it almost happened instantaneously. That might be the case, but you don't see anything like that. Although well, what you do see now that you're down there and can kind of look to the left and the right, uh, you know, up to a mile, you look. Um, one direction, I don't know if you know what direction you're facing, but if you have been traveling south... Um, if I were to roll a survival check, would I be able to tell which way to go? Yes. Okay. Uh, 20 total. Alright, so if you, you assume that, and are correctly assuming... 
that you guys have been traveling traveling kind of perfectly south almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so north is directly the way you came from. So you can look yeah. at what I'm about to describe to you and know for a fact that it is uh, slightly north, but mostly west um, of your current position. And you can see the top of a mountain, it seems. A lonely, single, singular mountain. With a, and it's in the middle of this of this uh, glass? Well, it's in the distance. You cannot quite see it, so you don't know if it's still in the glass or if it's just near it. But you can see it because the dunes aren't covering it up. Because it's okay. obviously at some notable distance. Okay. I and, go back to the dwarf and I ask him if he has a nap on him. Um, well, there's something, there's something really important that you notice before you probably want to go and ask that. Uh, sure. is, and that's that this mountain is gouting flame. So it's on fire? No, it's just pluming fire. So like a Bunsen burner made out of a mountain? Essentially. Oh man, that's actually kind of dope. Hmm. Alright, so at bunging that, I just go, that's weird. Go back to the dwarf and ask him, can you see that mountain out there? He sort of sees where you're pointing and squints. I can imagine he would have, like, a spyglass or something. Yeah, he does. Okay, cool. And he goes, huh, I've never known a mountain like that to exist in the in the, in the the dunes, much less a mountain that pours fire to the sky. Do you have a map on you by any chance? Of course. And he pulls out his map. And it's, is it just of the desert, or is it... It's of the desert, effectively, but... Alright, uh, am I able to tell where the mountain is on this map if it's on the map? It is not on the map. Okay. Because mountains don't just exist in deserts, generally. And it looks like this mountain is in the confines of the desert, for what I can tell. I mean, the leaving the confines of the desert to the, to the west would be the ocean... So yeah, this is probably in the desert. Yeah. Okay. So a mountain that wasn't there before, and the spewing flame is in the desert. Yes. That's the size of it. Well, one, that is a mountain spewing flame. Two, only thing that turns anything, where glass comes from, is sand being exposed to incredibly hot temperatures. That's correct. And this is this is all Tenji doing this out loud, which means you're probably all going to be looking at it like, wait, how do you even know that? Well, let's go ahead and say that it's about this point that uh, the tech magic ends. And uh, so you cast it, and again, just like before, the entire area is just cloaked in this transmutation magic. Okay. Um, although, the glass of this, the, the, the glass sands is not magical. It's affected by the magic that's everywhere, but it itself is not magical. Okay, good. Um, so, I'm going to uh, tell my companions that. Okay. So you guys now know that the glass is not magic. 
might have been created by magic, but it's not itself magical. I was worried about do I get swallowed up by it or right. Like, Reasonable well, things to be scared of by a actual river-sized amount of glass in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Right. And Tenji just kind of looks at them and goes, well, Ten Gold says that that mountain is probably some cause of that magic. Mm-hmm. Now, that another byproduct of it. now that you've recast it, would you like to attempt to make your Arcana check again on this magic? Go ahead and do it at advantage, since you have tried in the past for the same spell. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Oh, shit. The, the nature of this spell is a control magic. Or, sorry, control weather. Control weather. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, um... That would explain that. I'm going to tell, um... My, my companions, uh, I believe this is a, a controlled weather spell. They very much intend this to be a desert. That would explain the thing with the controlled water, or created yeah, water, rather. Um, so, I think things are only going to get hotter. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. We want to go in the direction of the mountain and ask our guide how many you know, days journey away to the Um He sizes up where the mountain is in relation to your location and figures that since the day is still quite young, if you all really doubled your efforts for the day, you could probably reach the base of the mountain by the end of the day. I wonder if traveling on this glass is going to cause any issues for the uh, sandstrip lizards. Yeah, glass well, isn't something that can easily be walked on. Yeah, he he suggests that we ride alongside the glass, maybe, but not on it. How, how much longer would that add to the, uh, the trip? That was his expected travel time, oh, based okay. on so that. With, okay, with the, the outskirting of the glass, okay. Yeah. Alright. Alright, that sounds reasonable. Um, I'd kind of like to check and see if I could do a stone cutting. Uh, just kind of divination thing on this. Stone cutting? That, uh, gnome's blessing where I can uh, find what has happened in a uh, location. Right, but I don't know that glass is stone. <laughs> but, I mean... I know we used kind of yeah, gray no, wording on that. straws. Um, do you have how I worded it? Um, I have, I got bonus on stone and cutting check, scry, area, history. That was it, and as far as I remember, it wasn't necessarily stone that it had to touch, you just had to be touching it. Yeah, it's just like earth and stuff, so in my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm okay with that, if you want to go for that then. Alright. But I I will point out that you are, you're pinching at this point. Right, whereas my, my being able to walk on it unhindered would be a new point because I it's it's not stone, it's not metal, and it's not... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not, it's not a gemstone either. Right. God, the entire dining desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so I you want to go ahead and do your little stone divining? Yeah, let's go ahead. 
Alright, go for it on the glass. No. Try again for any? Yeah, right. And I nap one day. <laughs> I go blind in death. <laughs> you explode. Um, yeah, right. So you touch it, and all you see. Oh, hold on a moment. Let me just let me just look up because I have exactly what I want this to be, and I don't want to fuck this up. Okay. Grab my book real quick. This book of many secrets. So, you are immediately overcome with the smell of sulfur and pumice. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and you see a pair of piercing red eyes like that of lava. That's all your vision gives you. Alright. Yep, pretty much. Okay, well, I'm gonna go ahead and inform everyone the little bit of information I gained from that. Piercing red eyes like lava. Smells like sulfur and brimstone. Alright, so you guys travel on? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, at this point. I don't get anything. We may as well go. Alright. You all travel on and uh, by near the end of day you can see that you're quite close maybe a mile away from the mountain. And it's at this okay. point that Tenshi reactionarily gives a small holler and tells the party to stop because Tenshi can see multiple red dragons flying around the top of the mountain. <laughs> Hmm. I'm guessing we don't want to go there. And the sort of river-wide swath of glass leads into a large opening at the base of the the mountain. Adventure calls to me. But common sense is no. <laughs> I am not a sneaky rogue. Yeah. None of us are sneaky. Does it look like a giant gateway leading into the mountain, or is it just like a, a, a small door? No, like, I'm talking like 100 feet tall, 80 feet wide, huge opening into the base of this mountain. And it's made out of glass? No, it's made out of mountain. Oh. <laughs> That's an advantage for me to be Well? Mention door? Uh, <laughs> hold on. Before we go charging in blindly, I asked the guy at it, uh, 
what all he else he needs to see in order to make his notes. Because that is kind of like one of the things he promised to deliver on. I don't know. I'd say this is pretty noteworthy. Yeah, he he thinks that he has definitely garnered enough information to satiate what was expected. All right. What red dragon? Like, how many dragons are there? Are we talking like a dozen dragons here? No, I mean like three. Okay. Still. How big do they look? Um, I don't know. Tenshi, do you want to give me a proper persuasion on these guys? Uh, I won't persuade them, but I'll perceive them. Nat 20, so that puts me at a total of, uh, 23. Um, you guess that amongst the four red dragons you see flying around the top of the mountain, that two of them are... Of the age of um, young, one is an adult, and god damn it, why do dragons not have? Oh, yeah, so sorry. Um, three of them are young, one of them is an adult. Young adult or not, it's still three dragons, and I don't want to screw with that. Uh, can we see what color they are? Red. The red. Absolutely red dragons. Uh, I don't know what red dragons mean. I just know the colors matter. Um, oh, they absolutely do, by the way. So what, do, what does red mean? This is what an ancient red dragon looks like. <laughs> and it's they're they're all smaller than and less in, less rad looking than that. But from what I remember of DD and Aiden to call back that up, red dragons are fire based and they're the most aggressive. I mean, I don't know, maybe some character based skill checks would alleviate some fucking mystery here. Well, if you want to use if you want to use history, that would probably tell you um, like things about great dragons or anything like that. But things about dragons personally or like specifically would probably be nature oriented. I'm going to do a nature check. What is that? No, I have history, so I'll do a history check. All right. I'll do nature because I have proficiency in it. Whoa, hi there. Uh, okay, I got it. Well, I have my roll. Whenever you're ready. Yeah, has everyone rolled? Yeah, yep. I got a four. So. It's a dragon. Uh, Tenchi got a 15 on his nature roll. And I got any- on my history roll, so... Alright, and so the highest one was... What? Tenchi at 15. Man, he's using them brains. Yeah. It's weird having it, so I gotta get used to it. Okay, so you um, man, I gotta use these pictures. I just found really great pictures that are gonna work great for the uh, 
crystal spirits so I can show them to you guys. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll bookmark this page and I'll post images from here of the spirits you've already rescued so you guys have a bit more of a context as to what these spirits look like. Okay. <sighs> uh, sorry, what was... It was a nature check with a 15? 15, yes. Okay, so you know that red dragons, one, are chromatic dragons. And chromatic dragons are almost always evil. Um, but... Specifically, red dragons are usually some of the biggest of the of the chromatic dragons, and they breathe fire. Okay, so you know I, I relay. All right, of the what five chromatic dragons? Four. There's four of them. Three young There's, ones. No. And, uh, chromatic as in family of dragons. There's five, right? Uh. Black, red, green, white, blue, blue green, red, white. white. Yep, five. Alright, so of the five chromatic dragons, these are the red ones. Um, they're typically the largest, and they, as evident by our surroundings, are clearly fire based. Um, although, why they suddenly appeared here after no time at all is peculiar in its own right. Yep. And if we know anything, the weirder it is, the more likely it is the crystals involved or the thunderer is. Either way, tally ho, lads. So you're uh, suggesting to go in there? I'm saying we're not being given a choice at this point. <laughs> the big inviting cave of doom? Yep. <laughs> Every story Dad told always started with a cave. Well, we're here to investigate. Let's go. All right. Yep. Leave our uh, lizards with the uh, guide and tell them if we're not out in, uh, say, day, two days, a day, two days, two yeah, get the hell out of here. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, let's go ahead and pay him for what he's given us so far. <laughs> All right, so that's been five days of travel. Mm -hmm. um, it was five gold for the first day. The, uh, yeah, it was five gold, gold for the day. first day and one day every day afterwards. So we're sitting on nine gold, I think. Yep. Alright. So, Bork is loaning me the money to pay the guide. And <laughs> uh, we say, yeah, give us some time to check this thing out. And if we're not back in a day, you All should right. probably peace out. Then that would square us away. Um, nine gold. <laughs> sound agreeable there, uh, Urgok? He nods and agrees. It's perfectly fine. Okay, well, be safe. He, he says he should say the same to you. Yeah, we're the ones that are going into the, the hell's bomb. Yep. Which could literally be a gate to hell. We don't know. Yeah. Can you help me out? But we went shopping for the, um, the endless water skin, and I bought some indoor elements potion. Yeah, that's correct. But I can't, I'm gonna, I guess I'll just have to go back and listen to it. I can't remember if I We got it. two vials, each containing four of these. Thank you. You're welcome. Because I, for once, am actually doing my homework. 
And those should last eight hours each. Correct. Yes. Um, so we'll have enough for four of us out of one bottle. So we'll have 16 hours per person, provided Paris can show up. So, you know, there's at least that. Right. Little comforts, really. Uh, keep in mind, the further that we go in, um, the hotter it's going to get. And I don't know how well the indoor elements potions are going to work. So your armors are going to become probably heavier and sweatier and more difficult for you guys to wear. Yep. There's up to 140 Right. We are also going into this, the center of what is essentially a volcano. Yeah. Well, we know it helps. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it won't. I'm saying be prepared to dock your armor because it gets too bad. Yeah. Also, of note, more elements would not plus again smoke or lack of air. Correct. Do clerics not get fire shield anymore? I don't know. Fourth level evocation. Well, I have invisibility, and I think I. Wow, even druids don't get fire shield anymore. Holy smoke, we paint a lot. Alright. So. So I have uh, invisibility, so if we wanted to get a peek inside the, uh, the cave, I can maybe do some light reconnaissance or something. Okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Pull, pull a bilbo. As we get closer and closer, Does I can more detail. Right. Mm -hmm. Alright, so downward and onward, I guess. <laughs> okay. So you all proceed towards the base of the mountain, to which you hear a mighty roar come from it within. <laughs> and from within the, the cave? Yes. And in common, you hear the words, I've waited long for your arrival. Come see if you're up for the challenge. Now that sounds like a crystal. Alright, good to know that we might be in the right place. Or we're about to get bitch slapped by Sunderer Part 2. Right. Sundering. Sunderer Part 3. Actually, at that point, alright. Too fast, too sunder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> alright, so you guys uh, go in. Yep. It is well lit, obviously. And it is a pretty short time before you can see on the walls of the cave walls of, the, of this huge space, you see uh, dragon eggs. Just and lining the walls? Not lining the walls, but like occasionally, oh. yeah. Like dragon oh, eggs. Oh, okay. In, like in nests and coves in the walls. Okay, no, that, that, that makes sense. I thought they were, like, on shelf on display. That was... That's pretty good. No. <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. Look at what I found. 
uh, and and then past then you see um, unwilling to part from the walls, wormlings sort of gently hiss and gently roar at your your presence, but don't seem to aggress at you at all. Okay. Do you proceed? Well, they're not bothering us. So, yeah. I just want to take the doses of indoor elements now. Let's wait till we get further in. I mean, it lasts eight hours, but... I know, but if we don't have to use them, this one, we need. Alright. <laughs> yeah, let's go. It is getting hotter. And, uh... To the point where you feel your strength being sapped from the heat... Everyone take one stage of exhaustion. All right, I'm going to take the uh, indoor element to my thing. Yep, pass that first one around. I made a mistake. Promise you that I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so right. everyone takes a dose of uh, indoor elements, I guess. All right. We're still taking one stage of exhaustion. But yep. Yeah. Might be able to fix that. Hold on, let me check and make sure. Lesser restoration. Nope. Lesser restoration does not remove exhaustion. It's restoration that does. Yep. Bummer. You, you don't have restoration there. Not yet, I don't. If you did, it's not like you'd have enough casts casts of it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is true too. <laughs> the first stage. Uh, could you remind us what the first stage of exhaustion does? It, uh, I want to say it halves your movement speed, but let me check. No, that's right. That's the second stage of exhaustion. The first stage, um, disadvantage on ability checks. Okay. So, things like strength and dexterity and blah, blah, blah. Well, just any ability, any check that requires your ability modifier is affected. No, no, no. That's not an ability check. It's an attack. What was that question, Lord? Would it affect saving throws? No, no, no. That's like stage three or something of exhaustion. You get disadvantage on saving throws and shit. Like if you needed to move a big rock. Yes. And it required a strength thing. Correct. Here, let me look it up real quick, because this is... I would be real, guys. I'm pretty excited about dragons. <laughs> At least one of us is. That's fucking perfect. So for some reason, exhaustion is not listed in the uh, SRD. Might just not exist yet or something. Hmm. That's interesting. Over here. Yeah, okay.
Yeah, all right, cool. So yeah, that, we were all on the same page on that stuff. Um, all right, so yep. what? You, so you guys press on then? Yep. Yep. All right. Um, the rather large area you guys are walking through has kind of remained consistent for maybe the mile or so you or half mile you've walked into the mountain. But it's at this point where it opens up to the central area of the mountain. Uh, it's, it's a huge open space. You can see the pillar of fire just pluming up. Uh, and you feel that if you had engaged in the, the this heat protection, by this point, you would be under some pretty severe stress by it. Yeah, seems about right. And sitting... Yeah. Scared. Yeah, and sitting in the pillar of fire as if it was a throne is a being that seems to be entirely comprised of fire but has a strong but simple looking face. It's it's centered toward it's like its torso is has like a a, a, a series of scales of like yellow scales across its front that go down. It has two pitches of fire for hands and it is clinching a staff of some kind and at one of the ends of the staff is also on fire. Fire King, is that you? <laughs> yeah, right. Get out of here. I'll, I'll post an image of what this character looks like more in-depthly. Now he's he is quite some space from you, I should add. Uh, he mm -hmm. is he is not right next to you. Um, he he's quite a way in the distance in this fire, and there is a huge hundred foot wide plus uh, stone circle that you are all standing on that sits before him. And. He, uh, and, and sort of as you guys have walked into this large open area, um, you notice that when you look behind you, a pair of uh, adult dragons are perched on either side of your, what is now exit. Hmm. Sort of watched you, the two of them watched you enter. I'm selling we're not going to be allowed to leave. Nothing. Unless we pass their challenge. Exactly. Or fail. Yeah. And uh, so you all sort of walk into the area. Do any of you want to engage or interact with any of this shit? I, uh, he greeted us in common, is that correct? Yes. What do his eyes look like? Um. Like... Are they at all similar to the lava eyes that I saw earlier when I tried to describe? No, 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 no. But you realize that the image that you saw was obviously supposed to clue you into dragons? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, <laughs> because those eyes perfectly match the way the, the eyes of these dragons look. Oh, okay. And the dragon smell of sulfur and pumice. Ah. Gotcha. Alright. So we made clear we made the glass. Perhaps. Since uh, no one else is saying anything, I, uh... 
I ask if we would be correct in assuming that we are addressing Salamandra. He sort of nods his head and bellows in common. Of course. I've known you all for coming for quite a time now and wondered how long I would have to wait on this throne of fire until you did arrive. Completely forgot its name. Yeah. This is why I take notes. Yep. <laughs> There's always yeah. one in the party. Okay. Uh, well, if it's not me, then it'd be nobody. Yeah. So, I, uh... I say we apologize for our tardiness, but we ventured the world over to get here. Yeah, apparently Paris just got home from work. Yeah, yeah I don't, he'll probably not be joining us because I'm going to end it here in just a moment. Uh, yeah, figured. Yeah. And so he get, he sort of floats down from his throne. Uh, his form is primarily sort of wispy, you know, mm-hmm. like he seems to be made of fire, but he has a form, and it's almost, it's quite reptilian mm-hmm. in look. Uh, and so he sort of sets down on the stone in front of you now, um... And says, yes, and I know that you have earned the trust of some of my brothers and sisters, but I am not so easily wooed by the acts of kindness that you have performed. I must know that if you were to to be our champion, sorry, if you were to be our champions and, and our heraldry to fight against what destroyed our crystals, I must know that you were at the least strong enough for that challenge. And so I will not join your pathetic party of mortal band until I see you best even the most modest of martial prowess. And at that, he sort of floats back up to his throne and one of the adult dragons flies over you and lands on the stone ring in front of you. And roars. And we'll go into initiative next week. <laughs> oh, we're turning the dragon. <laughs> I knew I should have prepped uh, protection from energy. God damn it. <laughs> Dargons. Damn Dargons. Alright, but at least I have all my spells. We're all at full hit points. Yep. Okay, this will be fun. Really should have listened to Vim and taken that dosage earlier. Have you guys known all of. Do you guys know all of the uh, names of all of the creature of the crystals yet? Um, most of them. There's there was one that we were missing because you didn't have it written out yet. Hold on, let's uh, see if I I got Gnome, oh. Luna, uh, Lumina. Gnome, Luna, Lumina. Nope. She. Nope. It's Luna, who is the moon part of the Earth crystal. Right. Gnome, Luna, Lumina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shade, Undine. Dryad. Dryad, Salamandra here, and that's seven out of eight. And then we actually do not know. Yeah, I don't think we ever got the name of the last one. I am checking my notes right now, but I'm pretty sure it was. It's to be determined. Still, it's Sylphid. Sylphid, that's it. Sylphid, huh? No, Sylph. Sylphid. Sylphid. Oh, Sylphid. Sylphid is the other end of, I think, the Wind Crystal? Yeah, Sylphid is the Spirit of the Wind Crystal. 
So I'm going to link the, I'm not going to bother with like trying to separate these images perfectly. And I'm going to go ahead and, uh, mm -hmm. before we get into this, all right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and wrap up for the night. I hope you enjoyed. Sorry for the cliffhanger. And we'll join you next week for a in-person session and fighting fucking dragons. I'm your host, Kenny, your DM. Our party is, as always, our cleric. That's me, Ogden, played by Hayden. Our paladin. That's me, Blurk, played by Michelle. Our monk. Uh, that's me, Tenchi, not looking forward to fighting a dragon, but screw it, let's do it. And our warlock. Uh, Finn, very much looking to, looking forward to fighting a dragon, played by Warren. All right, good night, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Bye. Bye. Bye.